Hi folks and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. A little bit of housekeeping before we kick off. We are live on the 28th of September in the Sugar Club on Leeson Street in Dublin City Centre. Tickets are available now on eventbrite.ie and the link for that is at the bottom of this podcast that you're listening to right now. And if you're a member at patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack, there is a discount code waiting for you in your email notifications. If you're not a member, please join us. It's a price of a fancy cup of coffee and a scone once a month to you. The easiest bit of activism you can do. You'll be helping to carve out that little bit of space that this left-leaning, independent, ad-free, sponsor-free podcast platform needs. And by paying it forward, you're keeping it free for everyone. So take a minute and click the link at the top of the podcast. This is patreon.com forward slash tortoise And join us for a month. That's all I'm asking you to do. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the support. Thanks for liking, sharing and recommending this to people. I'm shutting up now. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Reboot Republic, the podcast that goes behind the headlines and looks at the big issues in this republic of inequality. We are the podcast of solutions and the podcast of hope. And I'm your host, Rory Hearn, and delighted to be joined on the podcast today by someone who is working and writing about hope. Um, it is Neve McDonald, who is the coordinator of the beautifully named Hope and Courage Collective. Neve, it's great to have you on Reboot Republic today. Thank you so much for having us on, Rory. It's a pleasure. Neve, you've just published a report called Greater Than Fear, and it's about um, the rise of the, the far right in Ireland. Not so much about the rise of the far right, a certain amount, but just kind of going through what has really happened in recent years and some of the key big events, the likes of listeners will be familiar with the um, protests in Uttarard and Galway and Ballymun, these, these anti-asylum um, seeker, you know, far-right agitated protests. And we want to go through um, some of the examples of what happened there and then the learnings that, and lessons you've drawn out from this report and I was really struck and I really would encourage readers uh, listeners to read readers to listen to li- listeners to read um the report which is called greater than fear um around you know where things are at how can we talk about these issues how can we try and counter it but importantly how can we empathize with people? I, I really was struck by that. How can we empathize? How can we connect to counter fear? And um, maybe you could start with Neve just to kind of set out, you know, for where are we at in terms of this right now? The, the far right protests and, and these anti, you know, asylum seekers, anti LGBT um protests, anti-trans protests, the library stuff. You know, people have seen these protests recently. You know, the the anti-asylum seeker ones were were quite, you know, were horrific. And obviously the the, the horrific attack in uh, Pier Street was one of the just absolutely disgusting and horrific. Uh, yeah. But we've seen it go to libraries now. Where are things at in terms of this, these protests, the far right protests at the moment in Ireland? Okay. Um, yeah, that's that's I suppose that's really the best starting point. Um, I suppose Rory, we if we look at kind of what is the far right playbook, and that's the best way to understand kind of why what's happening and, and where they are at the moment. So we have the mobilizations of like of hate and fear against people seeking asylum, against mm. people um migrants in the country, 
And then we also have um, kind of mobilizations, disruptions and attacks to, to those communities, but also mobilizations, disruptions and attacks towards what is the trans community. And we see that really dressed up as kind of um, anti-LGBTQ hate. You know what I mean? It, it, mm. Let's call it what it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and what they're really trying to use is kind of weaponize kind of children as their modus operandi for the fear. That's that's what they're kind of using. So they're trying to use kind of weaponized parents, the the so-called the books in the libraries, sex education, so and schools. So they're weaponizing a lot of that, and then weaponizing fear against kind of people um, coming to this country seeking asylum through kind of maybe there's a, a lack of resources, or through there's a threat of criminality, or there's a threat of um, kind of sexual attack. A lot of three gendered, Rory, as well. You know what I mean? So yeah. a lot, it's very gendered. And as I said, explain that in terms of what you mean by that. So I suppose if I take myself as an example, kind of working class woman, single mom. So like you can see that working class lone parents are the most directly affected by the housing crisis. Those messages land very clearly to women around the housing crisis and around the cost of living crisis. And also a lot of the messages they're trying to deliver land quite directly about kind of sexual assault and physical attack for women as well you know what i mean so it they're really trying to provoke a certain corner of society and then with the lgbtq and the anti-trans they're really targeting kind of parents and women especially around kind of sex education and generating a moral panic around what is normal sex education in our schools so um there's quite a kind of a gendered approach to it and we can see that working in the states as well that you've got kind of particular groups that um are doing the very same strategies like this kind of um, so-called kind of moms of liberty who are organizing trying to weaponize a kind of parental fear around removing books from libraries removing sex education and removing kind of don't say about kind of anything lgbt under a particular age so this is kind of really trying to harp back to um a time that we thought we'd left behind rory you know a time yeah. of you know um kind of control fear locking people up you know where we thought we'd progressed over the last kind of 20 years and they're trying to pull it back there yeah, and just to get, I suppose, get a sense of where it is at right now. Like, do our protests at libraries going to continue? Or are we going to see? We protests see it. At... We're in the middle of a transition, Rory, and um, towards sex education towards the schools. We can okay. see now that this is moving forward into in, towards the schools. We can see what's happened most recently um, regarding teachers, and there's kind of been leafleting outside schools. So we're starting to see, and September, the schools a concerted turn towards. Um, sex education towards kind of what school policy is and and how to um and how they can start to influence that and also disrupt it as well you know yeah so do you think we're likely to see protests at schools over this or well first of all what's happening right now is that there's kind of like there's a um there's a right for parents to kind of take their children out of the class while the sex, edu- or the sex education is happening. So there's kind of a lot of letters being sent into schools around that. And um, I suppose, and there's a lot of kind of webinars around that talking about um, lies and misinformation around the kind of sex education. But there's also kind of, we've seen um, some kind of more proactive stuff and um, kind of further kind of south of the country where there has been kind of leafleting outside of schools and some doxing of young people who are trans as well some young people in education are trans so yeah i think that, yeah. i don't know if it will materialize to protest but i think or to mobilizations but definitely watch this space and i think this is a real kind of time for for schools for the unions for parents for everyone to come together and 
to talk about our values of what we want in our schools and and, and what we don't want and and how 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 we talk about this you know what I mean and not to kind of repeat the lies and the disinformation of the haters and the manipulators and how to kind of reinforce our own values, reinforce what the kind of society that we want to live in, the inclusive society that we want to live in, and to reinforce that, um, to defend our democracy and defend our schools, you know, and, and the places that our children should be able to feel free to learn in our, and who feel free to who they should be in schools as well, Rory, because that's what yeah, it comes yeah. down to. You know? and, and just in terms of, the the anti-asylum seeker anti-immigrant yeah. protest that we saw do you see more of those emerging again like is it a case where or where it's where changing it's it, it was it was it was quite interesting that not interesting, it was quite terrifying during that period that we saw that started off kind of like october november of 2022 and we saw it kind of emerge from people seeking asylum anti-people seeking asylum and yeah. within about seven or eight weeks the messaging or the demands have changed to be like no migrants. So it just went full capacity very, very quickly had the messaging changed. So I think like, for instance, in Finglas, like last Saturday week, there was protests at a new um, housing, a council housing estate that had opened up and it, people went in and marched around demanding all my, like no migrant migrants out effectively that no migrants should be housed under the Irish housing system. And then we can see it happening in different ways because the, the traction is not in communities anymore about people seeking asylum because the lies, they're lies. Nothing has materials unfolded. Like I think it's like Siobhan O'Donoghue said in the Irish Times article last Saturday, is that one weakness if, or one strength of the haters is that they don't care what they say, they'll tell whatever lies. Yeah. But the weakness that they have is they don't have solutions. So they'll yeah. come in and they'll cause chaos and disruption and lies in the community and cause division and polarization, but they've no solutions to the uh, to the problems that they are saying that's there, you know. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's the key point, you know. And then they leave and they leave chaos, they leave destruction, and they leave polarization behind, and they leave for communities to try and clean that up. And it takes a long time, if yeah. ever, that that can, that and, can and, be rectified, you know. And of course, the other thing is that they drag the public discourse and, and the public debate and political debate towards yeah. their agenda. And, and I just wonder, would you, you know, reflect on, for example, you know, the debate in the Shannon around the, you know, the the hate um hate yeah. speech bill, you know, speeches, you know, from um yeah. uh Michael McDowell and, and Ronan um oh I can't think of second name. I don't want to know I remember a second. Yeah. Oh Mullen yeah. um Mullins. around yeah. Mullins, yeah. 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 Around both the, the, the whole sex education and trans stuff, you know, the the in terms of like them labeling it, you know, as this is, you know, an agenda and you know, just their whole um horrible, horrible attitude, but them seeing as kind of the the, the you know, a sort of more common sense, uh more they're almost like a clearing house for the ideas of the hatred. That's how I'd look at them. You know what I mean? So they, yeah, yeah. They, uh, yeah but, but, they also, they, but are they kind of going, oh, because these far right are, you know, it's almost emboldened them to a certain amount as well. It's saying, oh, look at the public support for these, you know, the far right and, and that agenda. <laughs> um, <laughs> therefore, we can speak more about it. And therefore, and, and they're giving this almost, you know, a, a, an intellectual legitimacy to it and a political and a public legitimacy to it as well. Yeah, and I think we have to look at the role that social media plays in giving legitimacy to these things as well, Rory. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. like, it gives McDool and Mullins like a platform too. Does that? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and which to bounce off of too, and and we can see the role that um, I think 
or X or Twitter has played in this. And we can see the role that there's some very kind of violent far right kind of organizers in Ireland have been saying a lot of what McDool and Mullins are saying, you know what I mean? And like about kind of, you know, um, about the 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 kind of it's it's the hate speech they call it the hate speech bill but and and also now it looks like this could be put right on the back burner because yeah. now there's a fear so there's almost like a chill effect that has yeah. happened on Irish democracy that's what I call it is it's democracy right do you know what I mean it's interesting yeah you say that 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 chill effect because uh, the the referendum on the role of the women in the home similarly seems to looks like it be might have a chill because of yeah. that that chilling yeah. effect that's yeah. a, that's a very important point it is and it's and it's also we look at how the Overton window what's kind of accepted to say in public and politics mm. has changed. So if we like take a barometer of England, for instance, and we see the change that's happened over there over the last kind of 15 years to where the level that the Tory party are at now and and the Brit and the British Labour Party. And we see that Nigel Farage and others didn't have to actually get elected into power to change the old window to cause this chill effect that pushes the Tory party to have effectively the same policies as what, um, you know, like what the British fascists would have had in the, like at the end of the seventies and the 1980s. Do you know what I mean? So we can see like the direction that is going in. So that's something that we will be very concerned about, Rory, to be honest with you. And also we can see that like, in 2021, there was talk about ending direct provision, that horrible, inhumane system that locks people up indefinitely, you know, with, with a, yeah. you know, without without any knowing of when your sentence will end, without having independence, without cooking your own meals, not knowing who you, where you're going to go, what rooms you're We all know what, what direct provision does to people who come here seeking safety. That's gone off the table, right? Yeah. We can also see that people who are coming in to seek asylum from January onwards ended up on the street with nothing. They camped outside um, the offices um, out on Pier Street, hoping that they would get an answer and get some accommodation. And then we saw what happened um, with with the burning down and, and the attacking of the encampments, you know. So we can see, and that is going to, so it was okay to leave people seeking asylum on the streets like that and with no protection, nothing, you know. So it's um, we can see that kind of what has been kind of acceptable in kind of, Politics in Irish society is changing, Rory. It's changing. And, we have to, and, it's changing. And, and we see, I think, a very recent example of that just in the last few days in Wicklow, where a number of councillors, including, I think, a majority of councillors, including majority, yeah, there was the majority of councillors. There's only like there was, um, I think, it was the Greens, Sinn Fein, and Labour voted in favour of um, of the of the modular homes, and everything, everybody else voted against. So, yeah. yeah, the leasing yeah. of my understanding it was a leasing of a site to yeah. put modular housing for Ukrainian uh, refugees yeah. on it, yeah. Yeah. and the majority of councillors who were Fe or sorry Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, yeah. and some independents voted against it. And now I don't know the details of it, but from what's been reported, it seems that that was a vote purely a racist vote, essentially. Yeah, I, th I think so. I I don't know the internet, but yeah, but it's um. Which, yes. which I think is very significant. I think that, and I'm surprised it didn't get more attention. Um, yes, um, it is. It's quite significant. And I think it's put there because, it, like, councils aren't allowed to give away their land unless without a vote. You know, yeah. that's, that's the one, as we all, we've all experienced yeah. Rory, over yeah. the last few years. Yes, I think it is very, very And some of those councils would have been supporting people coming from Ukraine not a year ago. So you can see how the Overton window has kind of changed in yeah. politics, you know. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. It's very... and it's and it's and then also we have to look at what's coming up next, which is the local and the European elections. Yeah, and they are very scary because they can come into quite a toxic space that can really change, um, 
what the values are. And I think it's like, this is where political parties, it's really important. Like, um, we have to understand like that local councillors and people running out need support of political parties are very sure about their positions, are able to have the confidence to hold those positions. And because as much as TDs are in the doll, local councillors are on the ground and you're right in the middle of it. You know what I mean? So, and it's like, so there's an onus on political parties if they are standing up and supporting people seeking refuge, supporting trans and all that, that there's a responsibility that they support their councillors on the ground who are facing these issues, understand these issues and feel confident that it's supported that they're able to um, do the right thing and hold their values during this. You know what I mean? That's no easy feat, right? But it's something that has to be, it's brave political leadership is what we call it, you know? Yeah, they're going to be key, absolutely key moments that those local Europeans and then the oh, general absolutely election. Key. Yeah, absolutely key, yeah. yeah. Uh, and yeah, and um, and places where like the far right are getting, they're getting organised and ready to go in local elections. Some people have declared already. So, it's it. They're going to be part of the debates and how also do um, kind of mainstream political parties how do they orientate themselves towards that as well? Do you know what I mean? So what is their how do they kind of respond to that too? It's very very important, you know. And and it is because you know and and I get contacted by people as well, you know, who are homeless, who are yeah, you know, yeah. multiple people who are in situations of you know in their parents' bedroom, they're in their mid thirties, they're you know. <sighs> You know, absolutely broken from the housing crisis, trying to save, trying to buy a home, trying to stuck and languishing on social housing waiting lists. And increasingly, I am within the messages, not increase. There are messages within them, which are obviously if a certain amount of the, the, the hatred is there as well. You get, you know, and I do get, you know, people saying that to mm -hmm. me, do you know what I mean? You're just a whatever, um, paid of Soros and all Soros, Soros oh, as well. <laughs> Um, but there is within legitimate, you know, as in legit, as in people who are legitimately suffering, saying, and I see, or you know, I hear about the Ukrainian modular homes, or you know, there's X amount of people and they're foreign and they're getting the housing ahead of me, and it's really, really sad, and it's heartbreaking, Roy. It's, it's, it's heartbreaking, heartbreaking. Yeah. and at times I go, what do I say back to this person? Yeah. And and I imagine that you know councillors who are all you know the good councillors, yeah. good politicians who are going to be meeting people at the door yeah. saying that. Yeah, yeah. And what would you say? What would you advise myself and others and politicians and political it's parties? Not, yeah, it's not easy, but I think it's you know it's like what we're saying in in the report is to acknowledge what's happening for people. Does that you know we have to really acknowledge that um, the current political system is not meeting people's needs, Rory. It's not. You know, mm. you talk about it yourself. Uh, and the, the housing crisis has been decades in the making, absolutely yeah. decades. In the, and it's come to this kind of, but it's accelerated so much um, over the last few years. But it is, but it's acknowledging them. And it's also acknowledging we have to kind of turn it back to people seeking asylum or people coming to this country to work. They're not the policymakers. They're not the decision makers on, on this. You know what I mean? And um, I think we do have to turn it back to those who are making decisions and those who are making the, the policies on this, that um, they're the ones that we have to point the finger at and turn around and say they're the ones that cause the mess. But also, like, um, a lot of people seeking asylum and stuff are, are and this is not to, because there's a lot of people sleeping on the streets as well, and people are sleeping on the streets because they're afraid to go in to how some of the... Um, how some of the current kind of hostels and stuff are run. Mm -hmm. We have to acknowledge that as a housing activist for years, I 
that was one of the cases that we did. And during Apollo House, people were like, we, we don't want to go in there. We feel safer on the streets than going into some of the hostels and some of how they're run. So there's a systemic issue happening here, Rory. Do you know what I mean? And um, and I, I do feel that that's kind of maybe the opportunity is during that, is during the local elections, is to, is to talk about, like, is, is that which it will be? And how do we not let it get weaponized? That yeah. is towards people seeking asylum or migrants or whoever, you know? So it's it's about kind of, I suppose it's what I would say is about having a community for all and where everybody can thrive in it. And it's not one pitting one person against each other. Because when we pit one person against each other, nobody wins because we're just looking at each other instead of looking at where the real problems lie and where the real issues lie. That's what yeah. I would say to people, you know, which is not an easy answer, but there's no easy answer to this, Rory. No, you know, no. there's not. And you've been the one that's been championing the solutions for many, many years, you know, and really pushing the ball out to get to, to bring that forward. And it's going to take a unified approach. And the more that we let the haters um, divide our communities and be more polarized, the less chance we'll get of winning anything, Rory, because we won't. Yeah. We won't no, absolutely. And, and it comes back to, I think, you know, the. That vote by councillors in um in Wicklow was was horrendous because they you know it's like it goes back to reminds you know the voting against travellers traveller accommodation but that, but that's, that's been on this, for yeah for but this hatred is and, nothing new this hatred yeah, is nothing new this right? hatred is not and and that's you know another side of this and we go back to you know the, the far right and the you know we blame the far right and the far right are organising and whipping yeah. up hatred but there is racism there and that has been around you know when we go back to the two thousand and four you know, referendum, you know, led by Michael McDougall, yeah. you know, that yeah. removed yeah. the citizenship from children born yeah. in this country. Yeah. On the I basis think, of, yeah. you know, basically them being black Irish from Africa and, you know, and that, that passed and a majority voted for it. And I don't believe a majority would vote for it today. Um, but I think there's, there are, you know, people in Ireland, we do have a long history of racism ourselves and, it's embedded in the state, Rory, and mm. it's embedded in communities against, like, the traveller community. Do you know what I mean? And, and we can see that. And and I think when you speak and you listen to people from the traveller community speak of it, you, the similarities are, are just uncanny of, like, the strategies and tactics that are used of criminalising people, of, you know, dehumanising people. Um, not letting, not wanting them in their area. The consultation, you know, that was yeah. a big one around that. We need consultation yeah. for people to come into our communities. Um, the burning down, the arson, you know, the blocking the roads, not letting them in, the getting on buses and counting them. You know, that happened in Clare. So there's all these things are nothing new in Ireland. And I also think that to talk about that is that, and the LGBT community experienced so much hate, and that's growing again. And I think. Our study and our research is very important, but we also must acknowledge that communities affected um, who may not be geographically located, but more on kind of identity or, or, or on gender or, or sexuality, they have strategies and tactics as well. So it's about building a big kind of, you know, ecosystem of people who are responding to this. And at times yeah. we can all respond together and sometimes you can respond on an individual basis. Yeah. I know there's lots of stuff happening in the LGBT community, in the traveller community, and in like the asylum-seeking community, whether Massey or others, who are doing their own individual work as well as doing our work. So we're not saying this is the one-all and be-all, but this is a, a big contribution towards that. Yeah, that and, yeah and, and again, to go back to the report, just maybe to, you know, to highlight some of the, the really positive, the bits of hope that were there yeah. around the action that was taken, particularly, I think, Newbridge and uh, Ballymun, you highlight as two kind of positive examples yeah. of 
you know, the, the countering of the hate. And maybe you could yeah. take us to maybe. Yeah, sure. Two, I think um, case yeah. studies would be great in terms of yeah, um, you no know, what was done there. Sure. Um, yeah, I suppose like Newbridge is probably one of the first kind of communities that reached out to us and, and sought support. And it was about kind of homes, modular homes we built. Now, I think it was not to get into the weeds of it too much, but the location itself was the wrong location first, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. And I think, it, but then there was, that happened initially, but then the then the far right kind of came in and kind of weaponized it and took over kind of the narratives and the hatred and the growing of the racism. So, um, if they call themselves these community busybodies got in touch with me, that's their quote, not mine, <laughs> Rory, within the report, just to yeah. lay that out for which is kind of apt, but this group of um, extraordinary people um, from Newbridge, from some political, some community, some community workers, and some people who just want to get out and have a, just want to see, have a better community came together and kind of were like, well, how do we respond to this in a way that keeps our community together, you know? Yeah. And they brought in local media as well. And we all had kind of, and there was like kind of discussions. So we kind of supported them to A, to understand what was happening, to understand who was coming into the, because a lot of this was bust into their communities. A lot of it's bust in, Rory, bust into their communities and to understand how in a very positive way can, can you work your way kind of through this and out the other side. So, and we kind of, from our perspective is, is the way I'd explain it, we kind of say that we don't go, we don't repeat the narratives of the far right. We don't engage with them. And what we, the best way to describe is that we kind of play, the far, kind of have their own football pitch in which they play on, right? Mm-hmm. With their negative. And, but we say we play on our own pitch. We bring our, our values. We bring kind of what we want as a community. We acknowledge the problems. We acknowledge the haters. But we take control of the narrative. And it's really important that you do that because it can almost feel like you don't take control of the narrative quite quickly, that these small group of people are speaking on behalf of the entire community because that's how they will frame it, you know. So it's really important for people to understand that. So Newbridge came together and um, they created a, a beautiful piece around kind of the community of Newbridge and how new members of the community maybe people seeking asylum, whatever, maybe we're working together. And they and they kind of interviewed an awful lot of people. And this piece kind of went out by the day, 24 hours before one of the far, the far right were coming in to do a protest. And that gave a real kind of positive spin and air to it. And then post the mobilization of the far right, then we identified kind of people on the fringes that were there kind of going, well, we're worried about our local estate, but this is not why we came here. We're not here listening to white supremacy. Oh, but we're just worried about our housing. So then they were identified and people that they trusted, local leaders in the community, we were to sit down and have a cup of tea with them. Say like, what's going on? Why do you feel you need to do this? What do you think this will achieve? And explain kind of who they are coming into their community and what they want to achieve. And when you had sat down and had a very kind of decent conversation with people where there was a level of respect, that normally brought people away from it. But you have to be very clear on kind of who are the haters and the haters could be within your community as well. And who are those on the fringes, Rory? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so that's yeah. where it has to be community led. And that's where it has to, the local context and the local community knowledge is key to this. That's why organizations like myself or others don't come in we just kind of give a bit of a support and a guidance and let have the trust that communities know what they're doing and are able to do this with a little bit of guidance and a little bit of support you know yeah. so that was kind of with newbridge and that came out and then it petered away and um and um, in newbridge and then the group kind of continued and gave support to kill which was a neighboring town which is having similar instances and then i suppose in ballymun I remember kind of it happened in Ballymun. And from my perspective, was I was the least worried about Ballymun, to be very honest with you, Rory, because the structures and um, the community structures, the community support and the people 
who understand Ballymun are all very competent and very capable people. And I think the community workers and organisers, teachers, community leaders, youth workers, tidy towns, everything, understand hate in Ballymun, whether that comes in the form of drug dealing or violence or whether it mm. comes from hate from the state, they understand what to do. And they did it without too much guidance from us, to be perfectly honest. Do you know what I mean? They, yeah. like, they brought together very within, like, that happened, I think it was January the 7th on a Saturday night. I remember watching it kicked off. And then within 24 hours, a group were together. They were talking, they were organizing. They got a very good statement together. And some they had some very brave leadership from um, a GEA star and from a local guy who raps as well. They stood up and they said, we're not taking this in Ballymun. Do you know what I mean? And they took an awful lot of flack for it, but they stood up and um, and that's the kind of influence, that local leadership, that local influence that can really turn things very, very quickly, Rory. So, and then also the community work on the ground, having those one-to-one conversations that are trusted, do you know what I mean? So whether it's your crash worker, whether it's the tidy towns, whether it's the youth worker, community worker, the teacher, able to have those conversations in a way that um, people can understand, whether it's the kids in school, whether it's the mums dropping the kids off to the crash who might have a fear about the unknown, don't know what's happening, getting wrapped up in the fear. I think we also have to understand the level of kind of poverty and inequality in Ballymun and how that can be triggered and can kick off very, very quickly. Do you know, like that hotel that was there was once um, at like a hub for homelessness yeah, yeah. in Ballymun. And a lot of single mums would have been in there and it seemed as a resource where, you know, I yeah. know the trauma that homelessness causes. And the communication or the lack of communication from the government in a meaningful way and in a respectful way to communities is creating space for the far right to come together. We have to take that. We have to say that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's, yeah, abs- that's absolutely. A, that's a big issue. And I think yeah. when people feel listened to and people feel that they're respected, it goes a long way, Rory. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, in, yeah. And it's also something that. You know, clearly Ballymun for all, you know, did, you know, really successful work. And as you say, you know, a lot of work by community youth workers, you know, political activists, you know, Katu, others who went out awesome. leafleting, yeah. you know, and, and yeah. that leafleting, you know, it does make a difference because actually it just it's it's uh, I don't know if you saw the news today as well, that there was um, um, leaflets distributed in Darrell O'Brien's constituency. I saw the, the fake leaflet he had up on Twitter yeah. today. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, you know, again, saying, you know, the, the anti-immigrant, there's, you know, 200,000 or whatever they said, refugees going to be wel- welcomed in by Darrell O'Brien. But that leafleting as well, that's quite organized, but it's also quite impactful. And the, the need for counter is a need for counter leafleting, the need for, you know, as you say, engagement. So there was a parts of the report, which, again, people can uh, check it out, greater than fear, um, which it really, you know, were impa- I, I found it very impactful and very um, engaging. And there was a couple, towards the end, you have a couple of points um, which you talk about messaging, which you, you, you've talked about already, but I think it, there were some of them I'd like to kind of chat through a bit um, mm-hmm. because they're made, but I think they could avoid, or not avoid, <laughs> could uh, be useful in terms of just, I suppose, explaining them out a little bit more. Um, the, the one that... I was struck by was where you say avoid saying people are the far right or or calling community protests racist. You say people who spread um, hate use racism to exploit fear, division and reaction at every level of society. Um, but most people, you know, 
don't have a definition of racism that is prejudice plus power, but hearing spokespeople talk about racism without saying what it actually means results in the audience feeling like you're talking about them. That is that they themselves are racist or leave them confused or apply popular understandings that it's about bias or difference. And um, so what they're saying, don't fall into the trap of thinking everyone is like you. What, what kind of is the point there in terms of maybe explain that out a bit? I suppose if I give you kind of maybe a few examples for I suppose yeah, I know yeah, yeah. I think like yeah I suppose like we use the words like hate and extremism and I think people can understand what hate is people can understand what extremism is you know not everyone has like a, a one rounded definition of racism as it says there but it's also I think understanding why who's delivering the message as in who's delivering that me- online message and who's receiving the online message mm. and also the material conditions in which people are. So if you go and look at the protests and look at the mobilizations and look what's happening, many people are going on that because they want to protect their communities. They want housing. They want to reduce the cost of living. Like when these kind of, um, it's not kind of out and out racism that's organizing these protests and messaging aren't out and out racist initially. But when they get people on board, that's when they try and kind of, you know, really manipulate the situation. All right. So they use what is the most vulnerable tactics of people, which is housing, which is kind of fear of assault, which is maybe fear of crime, and th- and then they get people on. So what we want to do, what is our overall aim? What is it we want to achieve? Or we want to achieve communities that don't have a presence of hate and extremism and don't have their uh, uh, and, and are separate from the ideas of hate and extremism. There's two things you want to achieve here, Roy. It's the presence of it, but also it's the ideas, you know, because yeah. if the ideas yeah. ferment, it can explode at any point in time. So that's why we feel it's about separating the community from that. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. and that's where community leaders, if you're a community, fear that your home, your homes are going to be taken, you know? Yeah. So it, it, it's kind of really important that we speak to um, what people's needs are, the unmet needs, the material conditions, what they say, and understand that, okay, we understand you're on this protest because of X, Y, and Z, but what the people who are doing her leading this protest, their overall aim is to cause further hate, further division, and further polarization. And a, a lot of the time when you sit down and you have that conversation with people, the light bulb goes off and they say it. But if you turn around and say to people, you call them racist straight away, you're not going to have those conversations, Rory. The whole idea of the far right is to polarize our communities. So communities don't have difficult conversations communities need sometimes need to have difficult conversations need to talk to each other and if the fire achieves their people don't talk to each other because yeah. there's a fear there's a chill effect yeah and they and you can still see it in some communities where a small group are still saying that they speak on behalf of the entire community do you know yeah. what i mean so yeah. how you approach and talk to people is and it'll come to a point where some people have gone completely down a rabbit hole and there's no rescue but there's a lot of time that people are like really you know let's let's think about this rationally and let's talk about what exactly is happening here what's going on and what do we want to achieve yeah you know? so i think and, it's, and and you say that in the report that the talk about one of the messages key messaging is talk about communities needing to be resourced rather than getting into a framing about yeah. communities should be consulting so that's exactly, kind of, and that, yeah. we go back to how the traveler community were like the consulting. That whole word has got huge connotations to it. Do you know what I mean? What does like nobody's got a veto on who lives in their community, but it's about respect and seeing how the decision making process happens. So communities are aware of the decision making process, and I think, as you said, Rory, like the vast, vast majority of people in this country are welcoming, inclusive, and want to thrive, want our communities to thrive. Yeah, but yeah. the 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 vast inequalities and the mismanagement 
by the successive governments and not meeting people's needs is being weaponized. And yeah, if we don't is. speak to those needs, if we don't speak to those needs, Rory, the fire will come around the highest and they continue to speak to those needs and we lose communities. And also, but if we don't have brave political leadership that will meet those needs of public housing, of the healthcare and um and, and of the education. That's that's the basic needs that we all need to thrive, you know? Yeah. And, and and this is the problem that you, you know, you talk about as well the need to affirm positive and solidarity-based values, and mm-hmm. that the the you talk about research by AOS AOS communications shows the best yeah. framing is to open up with shared values, what we stand for, yeah. and unity, and then naming the problem. Some trying trying to divide us and how they're doing it, and then move quickly to solutions yeah. around what we want this government and leaders to do. And yeah. like you know, a core solution is you know as we've talked about, it is around. <laughs> Right, is, is is a society where people's needs are met around housing, yeah. health, education, sure. childcare, um, uh, yeah, around yeah, in in terms of these, as as we talked about, and you mentioned there that the material conditions, like these yeah. are, these have to be addressed. Have to be, yeah, yeah. Well, we can see across Europe, like the rise of inequality since the crash, right, of two thousand eight. Yeah. That's my kind of. Barometer, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. you know yeah. what I mean. In 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 this, right? And you like, I read your book again there recently on the financialization and housing, and just to really kind of position myself in this, and I went through your book again there, and um, we can stem a lot of it that back. Like, there's no Irish exceptionalism against the rise of hate and extremism as inequality yeah. kind of deepens. Um, we can see that the like the it, across Europe, the centre left and the centre right have not met. The needs of people so they're turning somewhere else for a solution you know they're turning and we can see some governments don't are not far are not kind of far right anymore because they haven't came up with the the solutions either do you know what i mean so the solutions haven't been there but we do need it's about housing it's about kind of healthcare. it's about childcare. it's about everything that you said and just having communities that can thrive and- but it's also the hollowing out of the community sector and the youth sector since like since the crash of 2008 mm. like like you talked about in an article in 2015 the examiner but how it was like 50 percent of funding was cut to community and youth sector and drug sector stuff you know what i mean that's going to affect our communities right it's mm. going to affect the cohesion of our communities it's going to affect how communities talk to each other the supports that community have and how isolated communities probably feel in the rise of oh yes look we have like we're out of the crash now things are increasing but increasing for who it's not in, things are not improving for everybody. There's a certain proportion of people who are left behind. What do you expect them to do or feel left behind? What do you expect them to do? You know, and many in many cases, and for you know the the number of people who've been you know affected by homelessness, for example, is mm-hmm. beyond anything you know we've seen in in this country. And you know the half a million young middle aged adults stuck at home, like. It's just the amount of people emigrating as well, right? Not yeah. because of a not because of a recession, but because they can't find somewhere yeah. to live. The, yeah, the, these and, and yes, the utter disgrace that we are never been more wealthy and they're you know never had as much yeah. billions, but yet this this inequality is there. And and, and I'm actually going to be and these are political to, choices that these are political made, choices, political choices that have been made, Rory. And, yeah, and, and, and within that, th- th- it comes back to as well. You know, you're right. The community sector, which has been cut, and was also not just cut; it was also um, dearmed in the sense yes. of it was disempowered 
yeah. by the way in which the particular community development projects were cut, the ones which had been critical of policy, and it was a depoliticizing and de-arming yeah. in the sense yeah. of... And they don't have, and now some of them are not able are not able to respond to this because of that, Rory. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And there's, a, there's also a chill effect on some of them that will they get their funding cut if they respond to this and speak to the problems that are in that are in that that are in their communities mm. so it's um yes it's a tangled mm. web Roy, that we are it trying is. to trying to give eyes on you know yeah. what i mean and and, and clearly give, give hope to people as well which is um you know which, the, which the report really does and shows you know that there is so much people can do and again you know i'd love to to quote again from another part of it where it says um i think it's brilliant it says taking action showing up at pride at community welcome events conscious engagement with language crafting value statements pragmatic acts of solidarity like donations supporting newcomers navigate the local community and the stories we tell in the community are all opportunities to cultivate and hold up universal care values and then you say when the tide goes out looking at the pebbles left behind is important and there's always a fallout from the far right and communities are left managing but on the other hand, it's important to acknowledge the work that's been done by communities and, you know, the work that is that the hope that's there. And I think um, that might be a good place to to end on in terms of uh, the hope. And, and is there a future year in terms of your work going forward? What is it? What are you guys at? Um, I suppose the biggest thing is going to be playing around the elections, Rory, you mm. know, and and to support political parties to be brave in the face of that, but also to support civil society. And I mean, so like what I mean by civil society is like from the for all groups to the middle to the top. And how do we be the counterweight for political parties to to stay on course, if not just to stay on course, to actually improve our communities? And to, so we don't let the far right pull that Overton window over. So we feel that um, we can play a role in kind of building a big kind of uh, ecosystem and give people kind of. The, the tools and the and the tools and and the strategies needed to get out there and to keep building on our communities. I think we need to use this as an opportunity to strengthen our communities, Rory. But we need brave political leadership. We need a, a government that's going to provide for our communities. But we also need um, regulation of social media because um, if there wasn't social media, a lot of these haters and bigots and naysayers would be just sitting over a pint in a pub giving out to each other. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They wouldn't have the impact that they have. So I think the regulation of social media and the impact that has had across our communities needs to be um, tackled and a, a government that's going to meet the needs of yeah. everyone in our community. Yeah. And if people are interested in getting involved in, in supporting your work, can they do that or is there? Yeah. Um, I suppose we're just like our new website's up and running. We're just kind of getting things organized. We're about to come into independence now soon. So three ways of kind of signing up on our website too, our kind of emailing list. And there was a monthly newsletter that comes out, Rory. And we, we kind of do webinars and we do talks and things like that. And then I suppose like we're looking at how to kind of, um, I suppose grow spaces for people to get more involved. But we're only two and a half years in. We're about to become independent. So um, watch this space. But definitely sign up to our newsletter, our monthly newsletter. That will give you kind of all the information of what you need to go and where we're going next. And Neve, I just want to go back to what we were talking about earlier in relation to that vote in Wicklow on the leasing of land for the building of modular homes for Ukrainian refugees. And we, we'd referenced earlier that it was Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael voted against it, but also actually the Social Democrat uh, councillor voted against it as well. And 
it's what what does this tell you? And maybe just go into a little bit of details about what happened, but um it is important to talk about this. Yeah, so um there's this vote to lease land for three years, two sites in kind of West Wicklow for um for modular homes for for people seeking safety. And um yes, and um within that vote. Um, there was like a two-hour debate in, in Wicklow County Council and within that vote then the Social Democrats, one of the Social Democrats council voted against it. There was two votes and, and they voted against it. Now, they subsequently came out and made a statement that it was a mistake and apologised because that is not kind of party policy of the Social Democrats. Mm. Social Democrats is to support people seeking refuge and to support people from Ukraine seeking safety as well. And and also there were some independents who would have been very kind of supportive of you the Ukrainian people coming in who voted against it too. So it's kind of indicative of kind of what we were talking about, about the need for brave political leadership, Rory, within this. Yeah. And also it's not about it's about kind of using this as an example of how easy that this can happen and how really it's important that kind of local councillors on the ground are sure of their party positions, feel supported and are clear of what's happening and what's going on so they can be brave in this. Because like we talked about kind of before about, you know, like the weaponizing of the housing crisis. Yeah. I mean, you talked to me before about what's our response to people when they ask about kind of housing for different groups, you know what I mean? Like yeah. we need every councillor everywhere to push for as much public and affordable homes everywhere. It doesn't matter if people seek refuge, it doesn't matter if it's for vacant homes, um, if it's public housing, it's the upper cities, everywhere, every councillor who is who is says they're concerned about the housing crisis should be voting in favour of public homes being built on public land. And also there was a lease for three years. But also to say that the Wicklow County Council can revisit that vote in six months' time again. So that may be something that the Social Democrats should look at as to like what's next. Do you know what I mean? But it's a, sorry, yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. It, it's an important one. And I, I don't know how familiar you are with the details on it, but my understanding is that that vote would have been taken on the basis that the council went forward and said, We have this piece of land yeah. we're going to lease for its use as modular housing. Yeah. And that the decision making on the vote was no, we're not leasing those councillors who voted against it. We're yeah. doing it on the basis that it was going to be used for people seeking uh, safety rather than somebody else. Is that the base on which they made the decision? Here it is here. The Wicklow County Council voted not to provide two sites in West Wicklow to the Department of Housing for the building of 68 modular homes for Ukrainian families. That's the, that's what it was for three years. We don't know. The, was there any other reasons given? No, that was that was um no that this that was what was in the article. So the first site was in Bolton Glass for thirty six homes, under Lavin for thirty. So um yeah. So it seems to be straight up a decision yeah, straight that, up. Yeah, that, that was that, playing that, into racist yeah. fears and racist Yeah. Um and also this kind of competition, you yeah, know, narrative, perceived that, narrative. Yes. So and I think it's about it's about if we're housing for all, we're housing for all, Rory. And it's about all councillors getting in behind it because if we start picking off one against the other, where does that stop? So yeah. we want all councillors and all public representatives here to vote who say they're in favour of public housing and housing for all to vote for all housing everywhere, not yeah. to be picking and choosing, you know? Because yeah, we've absolutely. seen how that's happened before with kind of travel accommodation. And look at yeah. what's happened to travel accommodation on councils across the country. Yeah. You know? yeah. It, it's going to be very. <laughs> 
excuse me, interesting to see how this plays in terms of government parties who yeah. say they're all pro-housing and yet their councillors are voting against well, housing. Leo Varadkar commented on this and he said he was disappointed in the vote, but he wouldn't whip his councillors. So he did. And, and, but he said he wouldn't whip his councillors. You don't mean physically whip them. Mean, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, he wouldn't whip them. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I, I know, I know. But he wouldn't demand of... that they take a particular yeah. position. He wouldn't yeah, demand yeah, that they take yeah, a particular yeah, yeah. position. And he yeah. said he was disappointed. And that, but the the vote can be returned to Wicklow County Council can revisit the vote in six months' times mm. under the rules of the council, mm. which so, yeah. which should be going back. But it is the issue yeah. of you know we're seeing. Um, as far as I know, Mayo as well has applied for, uh, I think two hundred homes modular mm-hmm. housing, um, for people seeking safety. And I think what yeah. what really should be is as you said is the expansion of the use of modular housing across the board for everybody who needs homes and, and rather than... Yeah. And I think there's an onus on the government. There's an onus on um, the Taoiseach, the Tornishta and, and all of this because they're in the main in the councils and how they talk about this and their narrative and how they talk. So they if they and their so-called housing for all, that that should mean housing for everybody. So there's a, like there is brave political leadership is needed here in the face of extremism, hate and extremism and the divisive tactics that they use and what happened in Wicklow is a prime example of this. And I think parties across the board could learn a lot of lessons from what happened over the last couple of weeks and use that to, to their advantage to support their local reps on the ground, support that they're firm in their positions and they're brave and they, and they, they get the party support. That's what's key because I think you see local councillors are the ones that are at the front line in a lot of this in the local yeah, project. Yeah, you were saying that earlier, yeah. Yeah, or on the phone calls or on social media. So, and um, yeah, so I think it's like it should be a priority for all parties going forward into what could be a very toxic cycle of hate coming up to local and European elections in, in 2024, Rory. Yeah. Neve MacDonald, thank you so much. It's great work. Uh, yourself, Siobhan O'Donoghue, Helen Lowry, the researcher and um, author of the report, if I'm right. Um, you know, fantastic work. And I really encourage people to go check out the report. Um, and Neve, you are, of course, a graduate of the social science degree in Maynooth, which we are very proud of. Um, and so <laughs> nice to give that a plug as well. Oh, absolutely. And um, I was a, a mature student returning back. I recommend everybody to go and do that. And I thought Maynooth was fantastic. Probably one of the most kind of diverse kind of populations of students. And as a working class single mum, I just felt like I, I fit straight in and the supports and stuff I got there before COVID and during COVID were fantastic. So I'll always be singing Maynooth's praises, to be honest with you. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Thanks, Emil, for that. <laughs> no worries. You're very welcome. Okay, Listen, Neve, thanks a million for coming on Reboot Republic today. No worries. Thanks, Rory. That was Neve McDonald there, um, the Hope and Courage Collective, and uh, you can check out the report. It is available on the website. And listen, thank you so much, everyone, for listening, for taking the time. And as always, we ask you, if you can, share around the podcast. It is really important. It is a resource for people. Um, the more people that can hear these really important conversations, the better in terms of shaping the, the public discussion around this. And um. We've had some really, you know, really strong feedback from some of our recent podcasts. You can go back um, and check them out. Particularly, we we spoke to a teacher, Roisin McCashin, which was a lot of feedback around the impact of the, the housing crisis on teachers 
um, young and not so young adults stuck living at home and also as well around the older people and housing and, and the impact of the housing crisis on older people. And we'll also be talking to Barra Roundtree from the ESRI about rising inequality um, in the coming days. So look forward to that. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And we'll talk to you all very, very soon.